Hey everyone, this is Tyler. You can hear me now, I hope. The true Logan Paul of comics. Well, I was noticing... everything up. I know. I was watching your voice on this monitor, and it was normal, and it was perfect, and then I was watching my voice, and it was like half. And you were like, damn, So I'm like, wrong? these mics should be about the same, and, yeah. and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, no cord in the end of it. <laughs> no auxiliary. No, nope. so instead of starting over, we're going to leave that in. Yeah, that's great, I think. That's a great opening to the yeah, show. Yeah, it is. How was your week? You spent the weekend out of town, correct? Yeah, my stepson had uh, state. He made it to state for 12 and under uh, Little League. Is yeah. that hard to do for 12 and under? I don't know. <laughs> I guess because you're I have 12. And, and I've never played baseball when I was a kid. So I mean, when you're watching the games, is there really like true gamesmanship? Or is it just like some of, these kids are going through the motions? Some of the teams. We did look like we belonged there prior to us getting there when when, <laughs> when, the, got the real when we got to the the uh, tournament they played poorly and so poorly or just outplayed by the other team who was like really in it to win it um poorly you know <laughs> the other team the, the other teams weren't doing spectacular yeah. but they were making plays they were seeing what plays that were coming up they could bat our team was not batting well and they overhand were or overhand or it's like, overhand yeah regular yep okay. yep I mean, I played like t-ball. Yeah, like a little kid. Yeah, me too. That's about the extent of my baseball um, I played days. Basketball in third grade. I played basketball. I Listen to this. I played basketball when it first became available for our age group, probably third or fourth grade. Yeah. And then in the middle of the first practice, over the loudspeaker, for me to go to the office, and this was an after-school sport. So go to the office, and it was my mom wanting to make sure that I. Um, made it there okay, you know. <laughs> the, the yeah, because she called the school. My mom was such a worrier, <laughs> and I quit after that day. And she said, "Why are you quitting?" I said, "Because it, you have no idea how much you embarrassed me." <laughs> you know, she has no clue. So your mom that at the end they, of your basketball career then. You I didn't. I didn't. You know, I didn't really. I wasn't hundred percent into it for me. I wanted to be with the other the other guys. I just wanted to be with my friends. That's yeah, all I, did. I didn't care. And so um, I was a layup king. I'll tell you that. I, I, I didn't mind. Up. I didn't mind not playing or practicing, um, but I remember being very embarrassed that my mom would do that. Of course, I was there. I'm not home, am I? You know. <laughs> but this is <laughs> probably one of the Tyler first times. Office, this please. is probably one of the first times that she. Um, wasn't she didn't take me somewhere where I was supposed to be, you know, I yeah. just went to practice, you know. It sounds like my mom, except for the paranoia. I mean my yep. mom's a warrior, but she's not 
Yeah, my mom was always paranoid that someone was going to kidnap us. That's all she wow. talked about. Yeah. I can't let you go. Yep. Mommy can't let you go. You're yep. just going to run off and yep. be with some strange man. Yeah. That's, <laughs> she was. She, she didn't sound exactly like that, but <laughs> but the vibe is there. I'm flashbacks right now. Mm-hmm. They're not non-flashbacks. They're mom flashbacks. Mom flashbacks. That's right. Um, it's a big week for books, man. Um, I know. I uh, the only book I didn't read um, out of my stack was Redneck. It looks really awesome. Of course, uh, it's Redneck. Donny Cates. Um, yeah, I was gone all weekend, and it was a big week. Yeah, so, it was a really big week. Should we start with Britannia? Yeah, we can start with Britannia. Uh, Lost Eagles of Rome. That's what the tagline is to this one. Sorry, I'm going to grab the other cover. I bought two because um, Britannia. That, the skull with the Roman um, headgear is what I yeah. bought as well. It's just um, when I first discovered this book, I discovered it in, um, excuse me, I discovered it in trade. And um, introductory trade price ten bucks. Yeah. So I bought it, and this is volume three for anybody who's new to the Britannia series. I, yeah, I wasn't aware that there were other volumes. So, but mm-hmm. as soon as I read the f- issue, I'm like, this has already been going on. I could tell there but was it a. It didn't do a bad job of filling you in. No, no, yeah. it didn't. But I'm going. Yeah, I bet there's other stuff yeah, out there. Yeah, this is volume three. So this is the third outing for Antonia Saxia. Yep. Who is the world's first detective or detectioneer as what they call him yep but um volume one i went out and grabbed the trade paperback and fell in love with it fell in love with the art and i fell in love with the story and the characters and like how he's he's this kind of guy who's been taught almost modern day type of techniques of science and deduction yeah like a secret you know what i mean when you know in a world where it's filled with gods and superstitions and mystical powers and people are afraid to do anything to right. the gods, and he's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, so, I'll do it. Yeah. It's cool with so, me. Um, but I, I loved it, and then after I read that first volume, I actually went out and bought, like, every copy or every cover of issue number one, every cover of issue number two, number three, number four. Really? Yeah, like, from that first volume? Yeah, even, like the, like, the one in 50 variants. Yeah. I went out and spent, like, a little bit on those. Just because you... I, I loved it. I because it did you... Were you speculating that they're going to be worth something? Uh, I mean... There were something to me because I love the book, but yep. then also I just think the book is a really great idea. Yeah. And the um, idea of it of this book as a TV show yeah. would work really well. So yeah, it would. I was buying yes in spec, but also because I was like, I really like this I book. I mean, we can look at the success of Vikings and all, see this done with the same treatment to it. Right. You know, um, it's, also, it's like X-Files in the Roman Age. Right. You know? In, in the Bronze Age. Yep. You know, yep. It's, it's cool. So. Yeah. I love revisionist history yeah. um, type of thing, you know. Yeah, and that's exactly what this book does. But um, this volume, Volume 3, The Lost Eagles of Rome, deals with the eagle standards that the, that yeah. the armies used to carry. They used to, and they were like these holy relics where if you saw that, it was a morale thing. Like if you saw the eagle and it was still standing, yep. you still had a fight. You still yeah, had a fight. It, it showed that the, the uh, Roman army well, was... Well, right. exactly, that that they're still fighting, that they're not done. Right. So they, tra- they, they treated these um, giant eagle standards as gods. You know? Yeah. So if they were lost in battle, it was a huge thing, not only to the army, but also to the city and also to whoever the ruler was at that time. They were really revered. Yep. And this book deals with uh, three of the eagles have gone missing yep. in, um, in this forest. I, think, I can't remember what, the, what it was called. It started with a T, like Taronga or something like that. Yeah. But uh, a barbaric land. And lost. Uh, poor, is it Antonius? Antonius. Poor Antonius has to search this 
this dense forest for these things. He, he's been but high and low from he doesn't even leave the city, mm-hmm. and he gets caught not still being there, not looking for them. And the emperor, well, not I guess it isn't the emperor. Maybe it's the governor of that area. He's like a he's almost like a Caesar, but his name it, is his it, name yeah is yeah Nero. he would be the yeah yeah oh Nero yeah he yeah. was the emperor, so he was pissed that. Uh, Antonius hasn't even left the city yet, let alone found them. Right. Yeah, he's just pissed. And, well, he doesn't even know that he's too busy, like, living his godlike emperor life. Yeah. And, like, to even care about what's going on. Because he originally, the book opens with Antonius out to try and catch some counterfeiters who are counterfeiting coin. Yep. And <laughs> because it made his nose look too big. Yeah, he doesn't uh, care about what the current the yep. currency's fake. He just cares the image on the currency made him look like shit. So yeah. Like, so it, it's not even yeah, it's not even that they're messing up the economy. It's the <laughs> Yeah. So him with his godlike, you know, abilities that he right. he, he needs to be this visage. But uh yeah, funny stuff and then he, he came back and told him about what about the what about the uh, and he's like, them. I don't uh, care about those. Find, find the eagles. Yeah. Get out of here. Um, all while he's standing over a dead slave that he had just murdered. Yeah, but he was. What's his words like? You made me do this. Oh, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> now that slave was he wearing wings? Yeah. What was, was that about? I don't know. There was some sort of, you know what I mean? Like they don't really put into the context in this book, but it could have been some weird sexual fantasy that's happening here. I think so. Play. That was my my you thing. Know? You know, the emperor was demanding some kind of entertainment, and sure. this guy was it wearing. Because that really confused me. This dead guy on the ground. The emperor basically blaming him, you know, for right. having to kill him. You made me kill you, you know. And then this guy was wearing, like, you know, these fairy wings almost. And I'm going, why? I think it's almost a page out of, like, a Caligula kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where Caligula had these just avant-garde, just fantastic, Just weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, like a weird guy because he, he was technically a god no one could tell him no right you know what i mean he did what he wanted to do he spent the money and uh, told people what to do without any second thought to their feelings just his own so he did these extravagant like orgies and extravagant like, yeah crazy like he he uh made everybody move like i'm talking about uh caligula now but caligula made people move out of a sector of the city to give it to his horse like, right weird it's shit it's not so different than uh you know, Jabba's palace, right? <laughs> Very true. He's got a band playing. He's got girls doing weird crap while they're chained around their neck. Got a big old rancor in the, in the basement. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I can see that now that I'm making a correlation to a movie I like, you know. <laughs> but yeah, um, but I really like this book. Uh, it doesn't, I would say uh, it was a little slow for me in terms of like setting up the, the story. Yeah. Because there's not a whole lot, you know, you just set it yourself, Antonius, pretty much just while he gags around the city and talks to a few people. And that's it, yeah. But I did like that from this book because it is volume three, and I already, they kind of got a lot of the action out of the way in, in volumes one and two. Yeah. And there's a lot of fighting, and there's a lot of blood and gore in, yep. the, in those first volumes. And now we're getting into, we know this character, he's established, we know he's a, t- a detective, let's see him do detective things. And that's exactly what he was doing in here. He went to different districts yep. and was talking to people about hey, were you here in Tortunga or wherever it was yep. uh, that they lost? And uh, he meets a soldier who was wounded. And I really liked that piece of history. Like they take a couple like things, excerpts from history. Like the guy has wounds from the battle, but they're all on his back. Yeah. Meaning that... He was running away. <laughs> well, that's the perception. You know, the yeah. army has disgraced him because wounds on your back means you were fleeing the yep. battle and getting hit in the back. 
yeah. rather than wounds on your front is honorable because you were fighting. Right. But he says, no, that's not what happened. We got fucking surrounded. Like, yeah. You have no idea what happened. And yeah. then the eagles got lost. Like, yeah. No idea. Yeah. So I, I, like, I like things like that. You know, it's little pieces. I didn't know that soldiers would be dishonored. I probably, you know, you know, if I rate, could uh, rate it one to five, I'd probably give it a three and a half. Only because I haven't read the previous one, so I was bored. Sure. You know, it was a cool story, and it's very easy to follow, cool artwork. Um, but it didn't have it didn't have a big hook for me, you yeah. know, to keep me going. But I'm I'm gonna read the previous ones, and I'm gonna read the I next vol- issue. And- I have volume one. I can just give it to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll lend it to you. Sure. It's a r- really good read. I would say volume two out of the stuff that they've released so far. Mm-hmm. Volume two is my favorite because it has to deal with gladiatorial battles yeah. and a female gladiator. Ooh. That was that female that showed up in here. Sure, uh, she was pretty much the main story on volume two. Yeah, and uh, it was cool how she came back. And I do like at the uh, end of volume one and the end of volume two. Yeah, um, he's very James Bond esque because uh, at the end of the volume they go Antonius will return and like blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? It's yep. Just, it's fun that they're kind of setting up this cool saga for this guy sure so and i'm really excited about volume three i think we'll get a great story out of lost eagles of rome and uh britannia i would say check it out I, oh yeah it's a great De- book definitely go check out the early volume. if you if you like uh historical fiction uh definitely check this out yeah it's just a well-crafted book you know everything's been thought out and they take cool pieces from history and excerpts and just fun and they have fun with history you know? sure it's a cool book and um it's a Valiant book, which yeah. Valiant doesn't put out a lot of, like, I, w- I wouldn't say they put out It's probably books. It's 10% of the books they put out I actually like. Right. I would it's, a low, it's a low number. Um, but, you know, I don't know what their mission is. You know, they might just have a very wide array of comics they want to put out. Valiant has a huge array of comics, like, in terms of what they put out. They have action, they have crime, they have... Yeah, historical fiction. You know, they they do it all, which is so. It's a little weird, you know, because it's yeah. so huge, and their their map of stuff that they put out is just beyond me. But yeah, this is one of my favorites. Usually, it's you know, usually a comic book company will have zero a in. zero in a little bit. Although Image is really diversifying. Absolutely. So uh, I, I'm with Valiant. Um, I'm, I can usually count on it's not for me, but once in a while, something comes along like this. Books like Britannia. Yeah, book, Britannia is just one of those kind of special books that comes from Valiant that I really like and enjoy. Hey, John, before we go to the next book, okay, um, okay. we have um, some good news uh, for the show. Okay. Um, so we have a, our first sponsor. Oh, my God. It's officially going to start next week, though. Beautiful. So we can't uh, say anything yet. We can if we want to. <laughs> uh, we're not getting paid for this one, though. Uh, <laughs> we're going to throw an extra for that. So, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Rainbow Cards, Comics, and Collectibles. Our recorder just fell off the table. Yeah, um, well, it's tough because you got the cords. We, yep. can, we can fit it more on tip and it's Okay. Look at, that. Look at that. So this is why we need uh, we need uh, some sponsors so we can not have our equipment fall. Off the I table. could just lay it on the table. We don't even need the uh, the tripod. <laughs> anyway, but it looks so cool. Would it just fall over? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. So <laughs> we're experimenting with the, the, the recorder. The this recorder. this makes great podcasts. This, make, 
Yeah, it's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right uh, Rainbow Comics Cards and Collectibles out of Sioux Falls and Lincoln, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Lincoln, Nebraska. Yes, addresses are 3310 South Minnesota and Sioux Falls at 1501 Pine Lake Road, Suite 17 in Lincoln. Yeah. So um, I think we can reveal it now. I think people know. John, you work at the one in Sioux Falls. Yes, I absolutely do. And so um, what can customers expect when they come in? Well, that's a great question. You know, um, in terms of like a comic shop and what people think of when they think of a comic shop is kind of small minded. And I'm not being I'm not trying to be facetious or rude when I say that. I agree. When I go into most comic shops, I'm going, where's your back issues? Well, we don't carry we don't we don't hold on to those. We send them back. I'm like. Why? Because, you know, a hunter like me, I'm trying to fill in gaps in my collections, you know? Yeah. Well, and also people think small little hole in the wall, maybe a shelf so full of stuff, and yep. things are just kind of just scattered around or dimly lit, and, you know, one guy Gr- working. Grungy. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Comic shops kind of have this this image in, in people's minds. Most of the time, it's a, a dude sitting behind the counter playing video games. Sure. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the image I'm trying to break and the image that I don't want to put out. Um, there's room in those worlds for places like that, but yep. uh, Rainbow is not one of them. Yep. I want people to come to Rainbow and not just have a positive customer experience. Uh, I want them to be like, wow, this is a destination. You know, right. I want to I create a culture of thriving individuals that not only love comic books yeah. and cards and action figures and all that, but have a real passion for it. And I think that really comes through I think, when you walk into our store. I think the customers that shop there do have that passion for it. We um, wouldn't have been in business this long if our customers didn't care and our employees didn't care. Yeah. So, so um, I really appreciate everybody. Who comes there's a the lot shop. of people that are there consistently every Wednesday and pro- mm-hmm. you know, you're there, um, very often, so you know they probably come back during the week too. Oh, off yeah. and on, absolutely. I myself, I'm there for sure on Wednesday and for sure on Saturdays, and I'm always finding something new that I didn't know I wanted. Yeah, and I and I love that, you know. Hundred percent. Yeah, and um, we're slowly trying to advance with the technological age that we're in as well. Sure. You know, we're really av- really uh, adamant on Facebook. That's one of my favorite ways to get in touch with our customers. Yep. And uh, new potential customers. So if yep. you're listening to this podcast and you are a new potential customer, yep. like us on Facebook, you can message us directly. And it's really just me talking back to you. Sure. I mean, I've messaged customers back at 2 in the morning just because yep. they want to know stuff. Yeah. And I find that really cool that you can message your comic shop and they will get back to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, but don't send a message saying, are you open? If, it, <laughs> if it's 2 in the morning. No, don't do that. Yeah. But um, our tagline for the store uh, that Dave McElroy has come up with is uh, "Reveal Your Hero," and I think that's really cool because it um, it's not uh, just about the store; it's also about you as a person. Yep. Uh, revealing the hero that you are inside and finding the passion and the love of comic books and collecting that yeah. everybody has. Because uh, really, when deep down you think about it, everybody does collect something. Well, when when Dave um, bought the the business, you know, five years ago or no, more, uh, three. Three. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you guys went through a whole rebranding, and I think it's. I think it's kept the more, name, but just yeah, just uh, classed it up. Yeah, all. you kept the name, but you know everything else was updated. Uh, yeah, and it's not like we were color sure. colors were updated. Um, rainbow used to have a literally a rainbow logo. Yeah. Um, and 
now you don't. It's a superhero emblem Pretty that, much. yeah, that, like you said, it says, you know, find your hero. Reveal your hero. Reveal your hero thing. Because <laughs> it's all hiding inside of us, Tyler. Okay. We just need uh, to reveal it. Okay. <laughs> and Rainbow's a way to do but it. But I need to find mine. <laughs> Uh, okay, so anyway, um, starting next week, we'll have actual copy that uh, we'll have to read for the uh, for the ad. Yeah, and, and we'll uh, we're, we're proudly going to be sponsored by Rainbow. Um, if any of you have a business out there that would like to sponsor a podcast, get a hold of me at tyler.johnson1116 at gmail.com. Or johnjones007.jj. At gmail.com. I and it. I can forward it to Tyler. I love the <laughs> 007. <laughs> well, I've had that for a long time. It's a fun, just like, I bought an Xbox 10 years ago, 11 right. years ago. Yep. And I'm trying to think of a gamer tag, right? Yep. So I'm like, mm, it's got to be cool. I don't know. Mine's, like, mine's heavy metal, dude. And then I don't remember the number, though. <laughs> heavy metal, dude. Um, but no, I just, I was, you know. 10 years ago me, 11 years ago me, trying to think about what I could put on there. And I was like, well, I'll just do my first name and last name and 007. Yep. All, all one word. And then I kind of used that for my email. Yep. And I used it for my Instagram. I used it for this and that. It's kind of what I use for pretty much most of my uh, IDs or online IDs. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mine are all pretty similar. So too. that way it's easy for me to remember. And... Um, yeah. My stuff is always my name, usually Tyler Dot Johnson, and then I almost exclusively always have my birthday after eleven sixteen. So yeah, um, I actually struggled to get the email address because I have a very common name, John Jones. So wait, I, what? Yeah, right. So I tried every, anything and everything I could think of. You know, like John Jones zero zero seven JJ, John Jones zero zero seven dot whatever. John Jones, and I was like, but it was all taken, like everything. Yeah. So finally, I found John Jones double seven dot JJ, which that finally works, and I'm like, fuck it, that's it. It's gonna You're be gonna keep it that way. Like, yeah. It just it took forever to find an email. Yeah, that's I crazy. Hoping, I was hoping just I could snag my my best friend got Nicholas Peterson at gmail.com. No dots. No. Easy. He went bastard. Yeah. Everyone that's listening to this. Um, let's uh, creep on him and send him a. I'm gonna because um, he got into Gmail really early on, like 2002, 2001, and he. So I mean, like literally, no one had done Nicholas Peterson, and so I've been jealous ever since. And he said, "I'm never letting this baby go." No way. You have to keep Funniest that. thing, though. His name is not Nicholas Peterson. What? I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. I was gonna, I was <laughs> That'd be to, funny. That, that would be awesome. If there's a Nick Peterson out there right now going, what the fuck? <laughs> that would be awesome. What the fuck? If, I, if it wasn't. <laughs> that would be beautiful. Uh, okay. Colin Bunn. Yeah. He is on fire because this Bone Parish book is awesome. Isn't it? Yes. So we're moving on to our next now, book. Now I can see why he hasn't. I haven't seen a Baby Teeth book out in a while. But that's Don Cates. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I keep getting those two confused. <laughs> they are pretty close. They do a lot of horror stuff, and they both work in the industry and, on both sides. And, and they do a lot of shit. Donnie Cates wrote one of our other books. That's yes. why I'm... You got him confused. Anyway, okay. Cullen Bunn. Before, it's nothing new from Tyler. Tyler's always confused. <laughs> Bone Parish. Let's uh, jump into Bone Parish. Yeah, um, you know, with Valiant, we talked about diversity and how um, 
uh, they like to do a lot of myriad of different books. Sure. Uh, Boom Studios is probably one and the same in terms of what they put out in terms of content. They put out a lot of different things, Grass Kings being one of them. And this book is completely opposite from Grass Kings. I just bought the second volume of Grass Kings. Great book, isn't it? I haven't started it um, because... Volume one. Volume one was awesome, but my brother bought it for me. You remember he came in? I do remember that. My brother came in and talked to you. Um, I was in the hospital, so he wanted to get me a gift. And so he bought me Grass Kings. So while I was reading it, John, I was on a lot of painkillers. <laughs> so I'm going to have to reread it before I read volume two, which I just bought. So <laughs> I remember it was awesome. <laughs> well, that's about it. But I, I had my... Uh, gallbladder out and at that time my pancreas was um, very angry so they had me on a lot of painkillers and yeah. and no food and water so so yeah it was a good book then I, t- I think so <laughs> I, I hope so oh, I hope I so I got volume two <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Boom Studios they do a lot of different books this is a new this is a new book uh, here um, Colin Bunn Bone Parish number one I love the cover it's just like this like powdery Yes. If um, uh, it looks very much like um, a horror movie poster. Yeah. You know, um, maybe the skulls from back in the day. You remember? Oh yeah, with uh, uh, Joshua Jackson. Yeah. Yep. Kind of has that vibe to it. That movie sucked. Uh huh. But. (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) Come on, man. That's like a yuppie version of the craft. Yeah. It wasn't very good, but the imagery of it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, We had a great idea. Um, and then it also it reminds me of if any fellow tattoo enthusiasts out there, if you know Paul Booth, he his artwork is very much like the cover of this issue. And then under the skull is a just a straight razor. Yep. So it, it is a very ominous cover. Yes, very, very cool. Um, the idea of this book, though, uh, as we open the front page, is... There's a new drug that's hit the streets. Yep. And this drug, what's it? Does it even have a name? I don't think it does. I don't think so either. No, I don't think they name it in the actual book itself. But there's a new drug that's hit the streets, and when it when you take it, you have these crazy hallucinations of people who have lived these lives, and it turns out that the drug is made of people's dead bodies. Yeah. So if there, you were taking, so, you were so, snorting some that's like from a rock star, you have rock star visions. Yeah, that was one of the first ones where this dude is stumbling through the streets, and then it keeps flashing to visions of him on stage as this good-looking rock star. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it, you know, he's singing the lyrics as he's stumbling down the street, so you know he, uh, he's he's not okay. Something's wrong there. Um, at that point, you don't know it's a drug, though. I found the name, actually. They, they do say it once. It's called The Ash. That's right. A great name. That's it. right, yep. So uh, The Ash has hit the street. It's, it's New Orleans, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's cool because people are... Okay, this isn't cool. It's kind of gross. But <laughs> people um, sp- specify who, what dead bodies they want in their ash, right? If they want, you know, like that guy, a rock star, or if somebody else wanted a doctor or... Witch yeah, a, a witch or a sorcerer. In their, in their, yeah, in their life, that's what they portrayed. You know, yeah, who they were. So yeah, these people are digging up bodies at night, bringing them back to this mansion, so cooking gross. them down, so and disgusting. Building this ash for people specifically ordered, to, uh, you know, like a menu. Like yep. they all have a little James Morrison with a little bit of yep. uh, Kurt Cobain. <laughs> yeah, <know>? exactly. <laughs> 
That's probably what I'd order. Yeah, um, that's what you'd order? Yep. Um, what would I order if I had to sniff someone's dead body? Sarah, Sarah's going to uh, uh, chime in. <laughs> John's wife is on the couch. I think she wants to join in on the conversation. Prince and Kirkle Prince and Kirkle She would do Prince. Why Prince? <laughs> really? I, he's too feminine to be hot. He's feminine. But Fritz is a god, man. Uh, he, uh, the music is amazing. I agree. Uh, on their oh, wall, on their wall, they have a framed copy of Purple Rain. Um, so this is a Prince-friendly home. This is a Prince home for sure. We also okay. have our uh, uh, picture frame over there that Sarah Lovely painted purple, and we were at Paisley Park. Yeah. And we, uh, it's fenced. It was at the time when we went. There's a giant fence that went around the whole place, uh-huh. and it was just floor to top of the, fe- you know, ground to top of the fence filled with art and cards. And That's like, awesome. It was amazing. It was really truly like inspiring to see. And people have like left like like this paint this picture behind you. You know, it's yeah. just a fake faux pas painting, right? Yep. But people were leaving that type of quality painting of yeah. like his face and like two different things, just straight up leaving it on the on the fence. Wow. It was nuts. Like, That's I, crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was really weird um, to be a part of it and see these people leaving these amazing like yeah. homages to him, just yeah. leaving them, you know. Yeah. But I mean, if you're that big of a fan, it's you, that's your gift to uh, his legacy. So it was really cool. Yeah, it was a really cool. Feeling. I had heard that First Avenue was going to be closed. Was wasn't that his club? Yeah, I don't know uh, anything about that. My but, mom would know about that. She but, was a huge uh, Prince fan too. Well, yeah, and so there's a couple bands that I like that their tour schedules say they're going to play at first avenue so i was a little confused about that but i don't think they would want to close it you know when you think about it it's a piece of history yeah and you know uh they finally opened up hisley park as an actual museum you can go through now that's going to be awesome so which is really great probably going to have more people than graceland right uh, if i had to bet money on in the in the midwest where prince is from that yeah be huge if up if in I the twin bet, cities yeah if i had to bet money that that thing's going to be busy right o'clock. yep and not saying that prince was a bigger star than Elvis but we've also um, there's kind of a generational gap between Elvis and Prince right 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 largely generational gap between Elvis and Prince yep so um, back to our book though sorry we kind of went off on a little tangent there we are in my humble abode recording today rather than over at uh, Rainbow which we usually actually record at Rainbow yep so it's cool that we get a sponsorship now from them so that we're not just uh, you know drinking soda and sitting at the tables and using the AC in there. <laughs> that, well, that's usually what we do. That, that's, yeah, absolutely. That's but, nice. But um, anyway, let's get back to the book. Yeah, Bone Parish. Uh, we kind of laid out the what's going on. Um, there's this family that's digging up bodies, though, and making uh, this drug. And um, there's some behind-the-scenes things that happen in this book that is really cool. We have, a, we have of course, like the front guys who are selling the stuff, selling the stuff, and they're like, we need more, man. Like, yep. more. Like, People are dying for this stuff. We can pay. We can have them pay four times the price, and they'll still pay it. Yeah, and they're basically the the sellers are begging. You know, yeah. cook us up. Yep. So uh, we go and we're looking at the family who is making this stuff, cooking this stuff, and the patriarch of the family is the mother. Yeah. She's kind of like the businesswoman, the front the front woman who actually sells it or yeah. um, gets people to buy. Yeah. And she's yeah she's definitely the. Um, Oh, I don't know. Saleswoman isn't really the title. More like um, she's the spokesperson for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. She's the face of the company. Yeah, yep. And um, there's this really great moment in here where she's talking to her husband, and her husband is always. This is a really big clue for the book. Her husband is always in the background. Yeah, and he's always like very 
somber. He doesn't really say too much, but he says what he means, and he means what he says. Right. He doesn't beat around the bush. He's very to the point. Yep. There's something really mysterious about him because he's drawn in a way that it's almost like he's not there. Yeah. And we'll get to that here in a little while. Yep. Um, um, he's always behind her, mm-hmm. and he's more dark. Yeah. Um, well, you know, he is black, and she's white. That's not what I mean, um, but just more he's dark. just more drawn at, like, like he's faded. Yeah, he's he's behind her, like not just like standing behind her, but she's in charge, and he's almost like to me. Before I read the end of the book, I thought he was like her. I knew he was her husband, but I thought maybe he had a role as some kind of servant as well. Sure. Because he just seemed to be trailing behind her all the time. Yeah, but he's always dressed really nice in a suit. He's got a cane, so he looks very dapper. Dapper, absolutely. Um, the story continues, though. Uh, the group of people that run out and the grave robbers. Um, they've come back to the mansion to drop off their shipment. Uh, the chemist is like the younger daughter of this family. Yeah. And she's the one who cooks all this stuff up. So um, she's getting pressure to produce more. And she's saying, I can't produce more without the same type of quality. You guys got to give me some time. Like, yeah. I'll get you the more, but the demand is really high. And then they're saying, you know, and they, and they want to have more people making it. They want to step up production, have mass production. She's and like, no, she, no. she about you know, flips her lid, telling him no. And I can see why this is her baby. You know, she's the one who knows how to do it. And if she teaches a mass of people how to do it, she's no longer needed as much. Well, that, and you can tell that this is her baby. You know what I mean? This is her stuff. This is her claim to fame. She is the one who created this and figured out how to do it. When you just teach it to anybody and everybody, you know, Bush's baked beans ain't Bush's baked beans without the secret ingredients. (laughs) Come on, man. Um, but yeah, she's cooking this stuff up in the basement. There's this tension to mass produce and all this. Yep. Uh, her mom comes down to kind of console her about trying to find more product and produce it more. Yep. And she's, of course, giving her the same kind of flack about, no, the quality needs to remain. What I make it, if you can't deal with that, tough shit. Yeah. Um, again, the father is still in the background. You know, he's still there, but he doesn't really say anything in these frames. He's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, at one point, the mother asks for some of the ash for herself. Yeah. And the daughter gives us a big clue for the ending of this book. Uh, big spoilers, we're going to give this away, but it's a really great book, and I think that we have to talk about it because it's a really cool reveal at the end. But um, she hands her a bit of the ash, and she says, careful now. Uh, this once, is the end. Once you use this, it's gone. Like, it, yeah. There's no more. So when you think about that, where this stuff comes from, who it's made of, this woman has used... All of it. Yeah. Whoever the person is. So, So, um, yeah. The weird part is that her hallucination is different than everybody else's. Yeah. It's more of a sustained one. Yeah. You know, okay. So if we we go back, are we going to talk about the spoiler now or we got a little bit more in here? Let's get through the book and we'll talk about it. Um, Okay. I'll fly through the rest of it here. I mean, the mother goes to a meeting with a big business person. Who wants to take the buy out the business entirely? Just buy it out. Just right. Like, it's mine. Um, he's, like, he's like, listen, I'm going to give you so much money that you guys can just buy out your private island and just forget about it. Uh, you have no idea what um, other other drug connoisseurs are going to do if you guys try and mass produce this on your own and other people are moving in. He's like, yep. let me just take all of it from you. Don't yep. have to worry about any of that shit. Yep. You know, when you get bigger and you play with the big dogs, you better be ready to. Uh, you know, fight the fight. Yeah. Because uh, people will muscle in on your shit. Yep. So he's like, I'm going to give you this opportunity to relinquish yourself of this. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of it. 
And she says, no, this is the family business. This is ours. You can't do that. So they didn't, they didn't come to an agreement, but they hoped to. Um, then we switch to uh, a guy who's using the ash, um, and it, this kind of alludes to what this business person's talking about. It's like when you, mass, when you up production, quality drops, and you could have some bad trips of people which will get a bad name out for your product and yeah. actually yep. have a guy who has a bad trip take some of this ash and he's crowded with uh, vis- visions of women yeah and then all of a sudden they turn into zombies and they're like eating him <laughs> so, yeah he, that's that's definitely a bad trip that's a you bad know trip. at first yeah. i'm like this is not a bad trip and then all of a sudden it it would make a great horror movie, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> these, absolutely. These chicks giving you a lap dance, and all of a sudden they're turning around to look at you over their shoulder, and they've got these fangs hanging out, <laughs> little little blood dripping down, and they're like, yeah, not good, not a good trick. No, but I don't like it. Yeah, fucking great movie. A great TV show too. I mean, this, <laughs> this screams uh, TV show to me. I mean, it's really really great. Um, but that is just a little excerpt of you know that dude's that, trip. That dude's trip. And then we jump back. The mom has gone home. She's getting ready for bed. She's kind of changing. And she's having a conversation with her husband again. And he's telling her, you know, maybe you should think about this. You know, maybe, um, you know, the family business doesn't need to be the family business anymore. You can get out of it. And then as he's kind of talking and he's telling her that, you know, if if you are going to go through this, you might have to get your hands bloody. It starts to fade, like fade away. And she freaks out and grabs the ash that her daughter had given her. And snorts more of it, and it turns out that it's him. Like yes, his his body. His body is her ash that he she uses to see him. That's the very last of his body. And as he uh, as he's kind of coming back because she's taken more. He yeah. says, You know, careful that once that's gone, I'm gone. That's it. Yeah. And she says, I just need you for a little bit longer, and it's just. It was a really cool reveal at the end, a really cool like twist on this whole Ash thing. Um, first thing, back what I was going to um, say, some other people have crazy trips. That dude at the beginning was walking down the middle of the street, but in his head he thought he was on the stage at a concert. Yeah. Okay. Then we have see this other dude. He thinks he's at a um, strip club getting lap dances from all these women who turn out to be monsters. Yeah. Why is she able to operate in her daily life but just have her salu- her hallucination come along with her. I think it's just geared that way. You know what I mean? I think it's uh, the way that the ash is made. Because street-level ash would be lower quality or have more hallucinogenic products yep. you know, or uh, uh, chemicals in it sure. to, get, to get the user not only high, but get the user addicted to the experiences. Where hers is straight up him. Yep. I think that's... I'm no ash expert. But well, we should <laughs> try some ash on the next episode. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm getting from this book, you know, and how in watching a lot of documentaries on drugs kind of work, you know, the street level shit is the stuff. It's garbage. Yeah. Know? The high level stuff is the good shit. You know what I mean? It's to get people fucking high off their minds. Yeah. And sustain a livable life as well. But. Excuse me. Oh, that <laughs> was a good one. Yeah. So my next question is, did she is she keeping him around for herself because she can't be without him, or because she has a need for him in her drug empire she's creating? I think it's a little bit of both. I think she she needs him as a confidant because she's the only one who can see him. So right. the conversations that they have are completely secret. No right. one else can talk to him. Yeah, she has the ash. No one else does, 
and who knows if somebody else took the ash that he would appear or talk to them in the same way. Sure. You know, so it's a really great idea. And uh, there's, a, you know, we're talking about it and there's a lot of questions about it. And I think it sets up a lot of questions. And that's why this book is great. It sets up so many cool things. Yeah. So. That's the end of that book. That, uh, was, the, that was the end, you know. She just says, uh, I need you for a little she while She needs him a little while longer. A little bit left of him. Yeah. A little bit. How long does it last, do you think? You know, I have no idea because, again, I think that's the way it's kind of geared. Is the strength, you know what I mean, of his yeah. better than the stuff that gets on the streets? Absolutely, right. but how long does it last? Yeah, it's so weird. So, a great book, though. I mean, if you yeah. want to talk about a debut issue. That's uh, a cool book. You know, I think the, the only issue for me is that the um, cover art um, didn't match up with the interior art. To the point where, like, I just felt like there was a disconnect. I wish they would have felt more connected. How so? I don't know. The cover made it look scarier than it is. I think the idea is scary in, in and of itself. The uh, Did you see the B cover? No. The B cover was garbage. Was it? I didn't yeah. see it. Um, let me see if it's in the back of this book. Uh, the B cover was absolute trash. I, and I, I hate to say that, but the B cover was this. Ooh. That looks stupid. Yeah. That looks like a full moon movie. Oh, yeah. No, I like the cover, and I like the interior art. I'm just, I just kind of felt like uh, the cover misled a little bit because there is nobody with that was going to kill themselves with a um, razor. Yeah, but the razor blade is used to chop up cocaine. True. So that's a, that's not a, that's not a suicide thing. That's a, that's a drug thing. All right. Okay. I'll go with it this time, John. I'll allow it. No, this is like every time. Over man. the line. Over the line. Ref, call foul. <laughs> Yellow card this guy. He's being a dick. Uh, you know let's go to Venom. Yeah, let's That was Venom super here. cool. Venom was super cool. Now, this book has been kind of really going up and down teeter-totter. Yeah. Because on one end of the spectrum, you have people like, Donnie Cates, yeah, he's amazing. He's mm-hmm. such a good writer. He's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. On the other side, people are like, it's too much. This is way too much for, like, a new secret origin. Why? Uh, exactly. I'm just... My, my thing is... I'm just saying I've read articles for both. You know, up until recently, the only thing we knew is that the... Um, see, nothing about the symbiote is being changed or or retconned or anything because all we knew up until a certain point is it came from outer space. Right. That's all we knew about it. And so... That's it. Now, no. we're getting that deep backstory about how... It came that particular symbiote came to Peter Parker. Yeah, it came to be, and, and prior to it being Peter Parker's, like, where did it come from, and who else did it get in contact with? Yeah, you know, and how has it become the way it's become? You know, how how did it become a sentient being on its own? Kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so the the guy, I don't know, resp- I don't know, if guy is the right word. Okay. Not a god either. He um, the one responsible for. Um, all of the symbiotes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I don't know what his name was. I think his name is like Nux or Nix, one of the two. And I don't even uh, know what you would call him. Uh, he's type, he's kind of an alien vampire-looking dude. He's very, like, that was one thing that did bug me about this new character. Yeah. Because, yeah, he's new and he's cool, but he's, I think a, there's a little bit of a lack of creativity in his character design. Yeah. Because he's just, you take the whole idea of this out and you put Morbius underneath that yeah it's just another way of drawing Morbius the vampire yeah I agree he looks exactly like it and it you know it's just not real clear about what he is where he came from basically he's he's from outer space 
and the gods came into his nothing kingdom and he came from a void of nothingness where yeah. he was just alone just a just a, a being in blackness in yep. the dark and then all of a sudden um, these gods showed up and if you're following the Marvel storylines right now with Avengers and things there's these type of like sentinel type of things that yep. are kind of like earth or not earth the space travelers yep. that go and um they don't conquer new planets. They kind of create new life. Because if you see this, the first thing that happens when these um, these uh, sentient beings jump into black space is there's planets and shit shooting out of their hands. Yeah, that's the Big Bang. Like that's yeah, the, right. So, it's so he's so he creates this weapon to counter these guys mm-hmm. out of some kind of living necroplasm. I that's all I can think of as a way to describe it uh he kind of created it out of the void of himself kind of thing okay that's the way the symbiotes were started and he created this weapon um which is called the god slayer which they actually do a cool thing later we'll talk about it yeah tie it into some uh a storyline from three years ago i know that was cool i saw that i mean that just shows donny cates's long memory and how when it had the little asterisk and i'm like Ooh, that was old. Yeah, absolutely. But he kind of creates this weapon out of nothingness, uh, and it's like it's a piece of himself, but it's also a piece of everything. You know? Yeah, and it's a piece like, of nothing. I mean, it was exactly. from from the actual outer space. The space, if you can imagine that, is tangible. Yeah, and he creates this. Uh, he he slays these uh, these beings. I can't remember that they call them a certain thing. It's in here somewhere. Well, he um, called them gods, I think. But well, he calls them gods to begin with, but they are called something. What are they called? Uh, sorry, I know this is terrible, but I'm looking for the uh, word because he does say it. Um, well, his weapon is um, injured, really. Um, when you, I guess that's the way I put it, because it's like a living weapon. Yeah, he starts to forge it from their bodies. He forges it inside them and uses metal and things from inside these beings to not only like uh, meld it into it yeah but just craft this sword yeah so it's a piece of him but also a piece of these gods yeah so, um but he's yeah he's melding it and he's um blacksmithing it very complex marvel science <laughs> <laughs> yes he's he's just pin particle pin yeah. particle particling it away yeah know, just yeah, if you need something explained away in Marvel's... Yep. Oh, pin particles, that's how it works. Yep. Oh, okay, sounds yep. good. Like a DC... Oh, Speed Force. Yep, the Speed Force. <laughs> yeah, if they need something to described away, it's either um, Dr. Oz um, uh, or... Uh, Speed Force. Not not Dr. Oz. Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, Dr. Manhattan. Or the Speed Force. The Speed Force. One speed. of those two is responsible for any line, you know, line of uh, continuity that those, might be off. Those are the scientific scapegoats of DC and Marvel. It, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he forges this blade, and yeah, it's kind of got this organic quality to it. It's shying away from the fire, you know, the forge, and he's hammering it in, not only into forging it into a weapon, but into, like, obedience. Like, you will obey me. Yeah, in the fire, we can see now where um, Peter slash Eddie's piece of the symbiote is scared of fire. Yeah. Because it's, he the, was... origin came from fire. Right, and it, and it definitely looked like it was in pain. Mm-hmm. And he took this uh, blade and started to kind of conquer the galaxy. Right. around, just slaying... Excuse me. Um, just slaying things to slay things and be the god of everything because he was now awoken by these beings. Right. And he's pissed about it. Right, right. Why'd you, why'd you wreck my nothingness? You wrecked my void. So now he's going to wreck everyone else's uh, 
existence by creating a new void. Yeah. And just, he doesn't want the death of life. He just wants the, um, how do you say it, I guess? Uh, he wants the lack of it, I guess, you know? Yeah. You know I mean, he yeah. doesn't want to end it all. He just wants the silence of it yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. The nothingness of it all. Yeah. And that's why the cool motive for this character, and that's why I think he's cool. But here's where they kind of draw it all together. Um, they show some excerpts and scenes of him uh, conquering the galaxy and having big battles and fights. And it turns out he was actually a character in a story from three years back. In uh, Thor, Thor, right? Thor, God of Thunder, number six. Yeah. Uh, the God Butcher. That's yeah. where the sword kind of came from. And it ties that all together into not only the Marvel Universe, but also Thor's Universe. And like really brings this thing full circle and that's the way Donnie Cates has I wonder how many people are going to run out and grab that issue oh it's gone it's gone now like, you can they're hard to find like yeah. was it before this gone too no okay so it was once this, once came, this out. came out five days ago or a week yeah almost a week ago um yeah once this came out it was just instant overnight seller that, did that you guys happened. have any at Rainbow no I loved you never I had any at all um, it's not that we never had one we, we had plenty in, I'm sure at the time yeah but I looked and there was a gap in our back issues for between four and four and or excuse me between uh, five and seven oh. no six nice so uh, it'd be nice to grab a copy because I actually didn't get to read that story I know I, I've never read Thor so yeah I, um, I'd like to read it and see what 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 happened in there because i have a feeling that at the time the reader didn't know that it was part of any kind of symbiote story and i don't think anybody had that in mind donnie cates recently picked up on that sword and going you know i can use that in my story well i read an interview with donnie um, about his ideas for this book and he says when he says first off he said ben was his favorite character growing up which Bullshit. He's just saying that because he's writing a Venom book. But uh, <laughs> what Todd Todd McFarlane invented him. Yeah. Um, so that was like late eighties, mm. I think. So anyway, he says that uh, Venom is his favorite character growing up, and his dad used to go and get Venom books for him or whatever. Great, feel good, heartwarming story. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what he did say though is when he was discovering this this. Uh, Venom character, he'd been thinking of this idea or like the kicking around of this like origin story since he was like nine. Yeah. And I was like, no, I can believe that maybe with how creative a writer is. Maybe he just like started to Could be, you know. Nine years old, he was kind of thinking. He's going, where did this character come from? What did he, you know. There has to be more to it. Yeah. So it's cool that he has a long vested history um, in this character and then the origin of who Venom is. Yeah. but we continue, and there was a nice little drop for the Thor out of Thunder, um, which that issue exploded. And great job for Donny Cates for having that long memory to tie it. Do you know who wrote it? Uh, no. Huh. But you can just pick up Volume 1 of the trade, which is called The God Butcher, and that should have volume, Issue 6 in it. Huh, I might so, do that. Uh, make sure to double check, though, because some trade paperbacks do issues 1 through 5. You know what I mean? Right, right. So just make sure it has Issue 6 in it. Yeah. Um, but we've had that long history that was kind of the first whole part of the issue. And then we go back into now, and now um, this new character, Nux, has Eddie in his grasp, and yep. he's kind of showing him all these things, so he's um, given Eddie these visions. He's give, yeah, he's, he, he's not just telling him, he's letting him see it in he's his going, head. taking him for the ride, yeah, yep. taking him for the ride. And um, <clears throat> this is where they get into the Venom part and, like, how the symbiotes came, came to be. Um, at one point after the God of Thunder stuff where he was kind of um, nullified. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wakes up 
and realizes that he can use this power to give the pieces, the yeah, pieces of himself, pieces of the while well, the weapon's gone. Yeah, uh, but the what made up the weapon is still there, yeah. and he can control it like a hive mind. Right, and That's especially exactly. once it bonds with a living organism. a living sentient type thing. You know, they're showing these little. They look like porgs from Star Wars. They kind of look like porgs. They kind of look like my nerglings from. Yep, the- <laughs> um, but you know, it's showing how he can control them. You know, once it's. Yeah, once they have hosts. Yeah. So they're, very, they're like a parasitic organism that all answer to him, the hive mind. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it just shows how over time and over history he's been doing this um, throughout. You know, uh, there's a great time for, like, Beowulf instead of the creature Grendel. Yep. He is the creature Grendel. The Venom, he's Grendel, the Venom yep. symbiote is Grendel. Like, that's yep. the scary thing from the Norse mythology. And it also ties it into... Um, Thor's backstory as well because it's not Beowulf who they're screaming for they're screaming for a hero but Thor is there and he's like I don't know this Beowulf you speak of yeah, but maybe I can help I'm here <laughs> someone call for a plumber yes but perhaps Thor will suffice uh, so Thor slays the beast of Grendel and um, it's just a cool history there and from that point he didn't have control over them yeah once uh, Thor slayed Grendel it zapped it with the um a lightning bolt lightning, from you know, from his, thunder. from his hammer. Yeah, the Asgardian thunder. So it broke his connection with uh, all of his symbiotes that were out there. Yep. So they all kind of became their own things, became their own beings, became their own um, had yeah, their own minds. They broke free of the hive mind kind of thing. Um, you know, bees are. This reminds me of bees. You know, because the queen just stays in the hive, but all the bees know to come back, and they're all very loyal, and they they. They know all know what to do with it, but if the queen died, um, you know, it's kind of chaos be, until they have a new queen. Right. Um, and well, I kind of see this too, you know, like yeah. That. And this book, uh, once that hive mind breaks and they no longer have this connection, they actually turn on the creator and they all right. kind of come back to him to seek vengeance almost. Yeah. And they put him into another sleep. So because this guy's been alive for who knows how long. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. He is infinite. He is the void kind of thing. Um, but he's showing all this to Eddie and showing all of this and where they came from. And um, it shows out in deep space there's kind of like a planet. Clintar. Clintar. Uh, yeah. And it's not... Um, but he, it, he, Eddie thought that this is where his symbiote came from, the planet it came from. Yeah. And this dude, Nix, or is it Nux? I think it's Nux, N-U-X. He's explaining to him it's not a planet. It is just a conglomeration or... It's a yeah. cage. Yeah, all of the symbiotes are stuck there, and that's where he's been stuck for how long, you know? Right, so uh, they say this uh, planet is called Clintar, but Clintar is not a word for planet, it's a word for cage. It's like in their their talk or their speak. Um, While they're having all this, you know, he's he's monologuing, he's the bad guy, so he's he's having his monologue issue. Uh, Miles Morales is there, the other Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, And he has been unconscious for a while because Nux has um, kicked his ass. Yep. And uh, he charges himself up for one giant punch and just... With his, with his uh, what's he call it? Uh, I think he calls it like the Venom something? Burst? Venom anyway. Burst or something like know. that? Something like that. It's a power that he has, though. Yeah, it's an ability he has that Peter Parker does not have where he can um, basically shock people. Yeah. Uh, but he hits Nux with this giant punch and it kind of makes him go all 
John Carpenter thingy, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, because Miles, you know, introduces, like, one last po- surge as he punches him, you know? Yeah, huge, huge, like, all-or-nothing punch. Like, yeah. I'm putting my whole self into this. So he, uh, so he obliterates him, but then he's kind of, like, reforming himself and reshaping himself. And Miles is trying to get out of this weird cage that they've been in. They've been in this weird, like, dome that they... That it looks very created. flesh-like that they've been in. Yeah, he's, he's created this dome. And Miles is trying to pull it apart. As mm-hmm. he pulls it apart, he's like, oh, God, no. And it, they've actually been taken, and this whole time they were being transported inside this dragon. Yeah, that uh, part was very weird. I was I just like, I, that was cool. I was like, oh, no, they've been in there the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. So um, as they're talking, he says, uh, let me show you where the, uh, these all came from. So actually, I think going to Clintar and going yeah. to this cage or planet. So yeah. Um, totally different take than what I was expecting from this series. I loved it. I thought that was a great end to a rather uneventful issue because there, it was all backstory. This whole issue was backstory and fluff. Which I like because Which I did like too. because it also showed how the mindless ones with the twirly faces, you know, how and why they act the way they do. Yeah. It was a little explanation of that. Um, yeah, I felt like it really filled in some gaps from the first three issues. 100%. Absolutely. And it, uh, so I guess I don't look at it like fluff, but... I mean, uh, from outside looking in, if you've never read Venom before, it's a very... That issue is a very fluff issue. Well, don't start with number four. If you've never read Venom... <laughs> if you've never read Venom... No, I'm just saying. Good like, luck <laughs> finding number one now. Yeah, good luck. I or might, number three. Uh, number that's three? That's the... That was the technical first appearance of this guy. Oh, this it's, new character. that's out too? Yeah. I might sell mine. I, I think they're like 20 bucks. Oh, I mean, that's not bad. That's good money. No. You know what I mean? I just, you know... Second printings do come out this Wednesday, though. Is is that... Does that help, or... It can, because uh, people people tend to have this weird mentality of second printings are lesser. Right. Um, because they're second printing. Yeah. But when you really think about it, um, like, let's put it into perspective, like, Death of Superman. The first printings of Death of Superman aren't worth that much, because there's millions of them. They printed them in the millions. Yeah. It's the death of Superman. It's a huge thing. So yeah. Printed so many. Everybody has one. But the fourth, fifth, sixth printings. Yeah. Those only number in like a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. So and those that they had different covers. Yeah. And, and also the couple hundred thousand. Who knows where that number is now? Over time, where those ended up and how they yeah. survived. You know what I mean? Like people threw them away. So they probably that's super- more of a rare issue. Remember, Superman had long hair, mm-hmm. so they did probably throw away that. Look, I mean, it looked ridiculous. It was mullet man. It wasn't uh, regular. Superman. It was mullet Superman. Yeah, mullet man for sure. Uh, but yeah, second printings uh, kind of get a bad rap. But in terms of first appearances, sometimes the second printings are better because the print runs are a lot lower. Okay. Because when you think about it, why would they go and print excess like they did the first time? The next right. time around, they're just trying to get it into people's hands, but not over. You know, overdo it. Yeah. Yeah. So. If I had to bet, you know, that issue would probably get a third, even a fourth printing. Yeah. Just because of second printings would probably sell out, too. Yeah. So. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I also read Bedtime Game. Uh, I didn't. What do you think of this book? I didn't read the other two that you Oh, that's fine. I, that I you can read. Do, they can just be kind of an afterthought on today's episode, so. I liked it. I'm going to continue on. To, it's well, it's only four issues. Number two of four. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Um what I get from this Bedtime Game book is a real Stephen King's It vibe. Mm-hmm. Because it's new kids dealing with an old problem that adults had when they were kids that they thought they had put, no pun intended, to bed. Yeah. But uh, 
it's a really great idea. I think the character of the bedtime man is really freaky. It is freaky. He's weird and he's like, yep. Yeah, I agree. He's he's, he's a little bit of Pennywise. He's a little bit of uh, Chatterer from Hellraiser, but he's also like um, sadistic and maniacal, like an actual like he was alive at one point kind of thing. Yeah. So this is put up by Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. I don't know Nick Keller though, so I've never mm-hmm. read him before. Nope. I don't know Nick Keller, Connor Nolan, or Kelly Fitzpatrick, but I think the trifecta of those three people doing this book is a really great idea. I love the cover. The cover is a hole in a wall of this bedroom, and through the hole, there is a brick wall a couple feet beyond the hole that says follow. Mm-hmm. And you're going... And like a staircase. And you're like, oh no, where are they going? Yeah. And um, But yeah, I think the idea of this book is great. Um, to catch everybody up, our group of teenagers um, have unlocked this hidden place to find this fabled book called Bedtime Games. Like that yeah. was, It's like this kind of like uh, urban legend around town. Yep. But it turns out the urban legend is true in true horror fashion, and they've unleashed the Bedtime Man. Or, is that what he's called? Bedtime Man? Or like bed, Nighttime something? I can't, man? I can't something quite like remember. That. But uh, he is the... I would almost say he's a Joker-esque kind of jester-like character. Yeah, he's very like, funny. I mean, he... He is. He, he, In his own mind, he's, he's he, very hilarious. <laughs> he think you know, he's always trying to, like, uh, put on a show for the kids, you know, very yeah. much like Pennywise or the Joker. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both... Well, the Joker is really big into pomp and circumstance and making it a big um, to-do, yeah. you know? The show. Yeah. It's about the show. It's about, yeah, and this, I got that same feeling. Yeah, he's definitely about the show. There's something he's hiding in terms of his deeper maniacal thoughts. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of hiding them behind this uh, uh, comical farce. Yeah, for on. sure, for he's, sure. And it's cool, though. It really puts a depth into the character. And what I like about him, though, is he's not like, ooh, I'm just going to like use my magic powers. Like Later on in the book, he actually has a fucking gun. <laughs> I know. I saw that. That was weird. Well, I thought there was like a cool like criminal quality to him. That kind of it makes me think that he, at some, <clears throat> at some point... He was? Uh, he was alive like at some, some point. Some kind of street gangster of some yeah, kind. Yeah. Kind of gives a two-faced quality to him. Yeah, he reminds me of like some kind of low-level... Um, member of a crime syndicate or, a, or you know, a mob, you know, uh, underling yeah, of some kind. absolutely. But alive at some point because he's got a connection to the real world where he's still using uh, real world things even though he's this scary monster guy. Right. He's still using a gun to threaten someone. Like, you know, like, ah, yep. see? You hear yep. what you're going to do, kid. Like, <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> but uh, the story is really, really... For the, the way that the art is drawn so innocently, mm-hmm. the story is so graphic and dark in some points where, like, especially in, like, the first issue where the kid, like, had that seizure and was, like, vomiting blood and shit. Like, it is, it is intense. <laughs> I loved it. I No, absolutely. Yeah. I it too, but it is an intense book. Yeah. And it deals with some really intense issues. You know, this kid's younger brother has cancer. Yep. Uh, the girl in the story, her mom was murdered right in front of her. Her, sh- her brains were shot out right in front of her. And, like... It's just nuts. Yeah. And it's crazy. And uh, it's drawn in such a way, though, where it's like there's a childish innocence here. Very but, much. Um, you, you know, it kind of got, kind of has a Dick and Jane kind of look to it. A little bit. Where, you know, you're just like, is this a little kid story or what What do you got that, going on? That's what, that's what really draws me to this book. It's such a great balance of horror and um, innocence and comic book. And it's just really, really cool. Um that's what I miss um, 
Did Sync finish up? Yeah, Sync is on a on a, a hiatus right now. They're done for now. We'll, we'll see if they come back with a volume two. I would love to see them come back. Yeah, because uh, that book was, I think, the peak of uh, horror anthology storytelling. Yeah, and then um, I missed the restart of um, not it's not Parasite um, Pestilence. Yeah, um, I missed that too. And so I'm going to have to wait for the trade to come out because yeah. I do – it's something about Satan. Uh, uh, story of Satan is what Story it's of Satan. Yeah, and so it, that first issue is hard to find. Yeah, and, and it's such a low-press book or low-print book too that – and um, yeah. 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 So um, as far as bedtime story – bedtime games, I always get the title confused. But, yeah, bedtime games. Um, I'm definitely going to keep reading it. 100%, man. I, I love this character. I love uh, Dark Horse taking a little bit of a – um, a risk with this character, yes. just because it's not something that is uh, your everyday thing, um, and it's not really the imagery at the end is cool. Yeah, where uh, the little brother turns into a giant tumor. Yes, disgusting. Yeah, it reminds me of those garbage pail kids cards, bit. you know. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's what's the ho- like the trash can, trash can Travis. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Jen, we're uh, about an hour and five minutes, and. Uh, Getting to the end of our battery life. Yeah. Do you want to just uh, quick run. mention what else you read this week? Yeah, this week I said it was a big week. We talked a lot about cool stuff. So thanks, Tyler, for uh, coming over to my place and, you know, oh, yeah. and talking and doing all You guys got to come do. to our place next, and that yes. way our ladies can chat while we're nerding out at my kitchen table. Absolutely. I love it. That works for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah said that works um, for her. Uh, the only other two books I read this week was Blackwood. That was also by Dark Horse Comics. Uh-huh. In 2021, Lost Children, issue number two from Statics Press. Blackwood from Darkwood, Dark Horse Comics is basically bedtime, game, bedtime games with uh, more comedy and more like Ash vs. Evil Dead kind of flavor. Yeah. Um, issue number three is really fun, and I think it's only going to be a four-issue series as well. But I like the art, I like the characters, and um, a great... Uh, a great modernization on the kind of horror comedy take. Did you get both uh, issues, first two issues? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still want your issue number one. I'll trade you my issue number one for that cover that you got, because that cover of issue number one that you got is yeah. gorgeous. Okay. I want that. I will bring it on Wednesday, because uh, so yeah. I never kept reading it after read it, reading it. I after never the, kept reading that. I, I never, I never learned it good. Stupid is, stupid does. <laughs> <laughs> me, t- me talk pretty one day. Yeah. Absolutely. But check out Blackwood. It's from Dark Horse Comics, and it's only going to be a four-issue run. Okay. And it's a, a really good comedy horror, um, like I said, a la Evil Dead or like yeah. Drag Me to Hell. I could see Sam, Ray- Sam Raimi adapting that because it's, he's the horror comedy master. Right. Um, 2021 Lost Children from Statics Press. Last week we had a Statics Press book, Dead Life. Yeah. Um, so I have a copy of Dead Life now. I didn't read it back yeah, yeah. then, and I still haven't read it, but I do Bastard. own it. Okay. Of Dead Life. And awesome. so the cover looks awesome. Um, nah, you were totally ranting about it. Mark Wagner was ranting about it. I loved it. Um, yeah. And this is another book from Static Press that I love. It's 2021 Lost Children. It's one part Blade Runner, one part Ghost in the Shell, one part Akira. Uh, it's a really big um, uh, just melding of different genres yeah but a cool book and it's only two issues so check that out i think static press is leading the industry in like best bang for your buck yeah because yes this book is six dollars but 80 fucking pages man 80 pages yeah so 80 pages of straight story no ads and it and there it wraps up in two issues what more can you ask for like this is a good like solid half hour 45 minutes of reading 
Oh, yeah. And wrapping up in two issues, I think, is a cool idea. Yeah. You know, uh, so often you see four-issue runs or six-issue runs, and then after that it's usually an ongoing. This got it all out of the way in two because this could have been easily been six issues. Right. Easily. Yep. But I just had got it up in two, which I loved. You know, I had a lot of stuff that we don't really cover on the show that I wanted to buy. So my bill that day uh, was like 90 bucks, <laughs> And so um, I had to put this one back because – it just, you know, futuristic books don't really catch my eye as opposed to um, history books. Yeah. Um, so I, I like this a lot. It plays on future, but it also plays on uh, political strings. It also has the sci-fi touch. It's really, really cool, really, really well thought out. It's great ending to this book. Super awesome. It's so, funny that they yeah. call this a futuristic book, 2021. Not that's that ri- that's away. right around the corner. Not you know what I mean? Away. It's... You know what I mean? It's uh, kind of like when you think about 2001 A Space Odyssey. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of like alternate future take. Yeah. Um, a RoboCop type of future. You yeah. Know, Back uh, to the Future Part 2. <laughs> very, uh, yes, it's dystopian, but it's also satirical in a way too because it, it does play on our political system. It does play on um, cities seceding from the nation and things like that. So really cool ideas, and they only and they wrap it up in two issues. Was the first issue good? I loved the first issue. Did you? I think the second issue um, uh, stumbled a little bit in the middle. Okay, kind of got a little muddy in terms of storytelling on like what was happening. But I think holding it to two issues, I think, was the problem there. Sure, would have drug it out to three. And I don't say drug like like it could have just like been stretched. Yeah, I mean like just give the writers a little bit more time to flesh out the, their ideas. Yep, three issues I think would have been perfect. Two issues was good. Yeah, three issues for this would have been perfect because number one sets up so many different things, and I feel like number two, once you get to the halfway point of the book, it's the the book is starting to like try and like okay let's wrap this up in a page like let's wrap this characters you know yeah he needs to yep. okay we need to finish this. It, you know, it would be kind of cool, though, if they left some things unanswered so that they can come back with a second volume. Big, big, big cliffhanger at the end of it. Like, okay. the way the story ends. Yeah. Huge, huge, like, wow. So that, that way awesome. it can end, if you want it to, mm-hmm. on, a, on a high note. Uh, or, you know, in t- five years, they want to kind of revisit this idea. Yeah. And they can pick up where that left yeah, off. Yeah, great ending, very open-ended. It could yep. be an ending, could be an opening kind of thing. So Yeah. But that is going to wrap us up for today's show. Thanks so much, Tyler, again, for coming to my shop. Uh, if you guys want to come see the best local shop in probably the tri-state area, come to Rainbow Comics, Cards and Collectibles, 3310 South Minnesota, or 1501 Pine Lake Road in Lincoln, Nebraska, who is going to be our official sponsor uh, starting next week. Yep, yep. Uh, we were chatting with Dave last week. Um, he seems on board with us, and he made sure to tell me uh, that he, despite uh, what we talk about on the show, he doesn't care if we mention Rainbow. The <laughs> only thing that was holding him back originally, listen to this, is that we were kind of um, selling ourselves as a horror podcast. Mm. you know. And he said it's not really his thing, and he didn't really want it. If he was going to be behind something, not just that small of a genre, you know, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so he said once we started talking about more than just horror stuff, that he kind of changed his mind about it. So yeah, and it's also good to know that he's listening and checking it out. Yeah. He makes he makes some drives down to Lincoln. Yeah. So I'm sure he pops us on, and that kills a good hour. That's what he. <laughs> oh, and that's exactly what he told me too. So, uh, well, yeah. So um, about us, go to smashinggrabcomics.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. 
Twitter handle is at Grab Comics, yeah. right? We're, yeah. on, we're also on Christian Mingle and OurTime.com, BlackPeopleMeet.com, okay. JDate.com. JDate. <laughs> if you want to go to Christian Mingle. <laughs> Dude, I have, a new, I have a new Facebook page called Branded, Her- Branded Heretic. I saw that. Uh, so don't put me on Christian Mingle. <laughs> Ah, be like a blind date. Really blind <laughs> like a, She'd be like, I went out with Satan himself. <laughs> well, for Smash and Grab Comics, I'm JP. This is Tyler. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.